welcome to the Red Roof Recovery Show, a program to soften the path of recovery from substance and behavioral addictions. I'm your host, Tanya McIntyre. And this beautiful theme song that we're listening to is called Greatest Bravery. And it's from the CD titled The Master Key. And that is from my mentor, my friend, a very talented singer, songwriter, musician. His name is Russell Allen Scott. Thank you so much for gifting this to me, Russell. It means a lot. I'm here with you today on this episode of the Red Roof Recovery Show to share my experience, strength, and hope around my own recovery journey from drugs and alcohol. And you will often hear me say that AA saved my life and SMART gave me my life back. When I had my epiphany in February of 2009, the only model of recovery available to me, I was in Spain at the time, and that was a 12-step recovery of AA. So without question, I think I'm alive today because of that program. I think it's the best personal development program in the world, and it definitely set me on my path of recovery, and I will be forever grateful for that. I have been a facilitator with SMART Recovery since 2018, and we hold regular meetings on Zoom now in this age of the pandemic. Uh, Everybody's life has been migrated to Zoom, it seems. And you can access those meetings through the link at smartrecoverytoronto.com. Just to give you a little overview of the SMART Recovery program, because it's not very well known here in Canada, um, it's been around for 27 years. It's a nonprofit organization located in Mentor, Ohio. And when I went looking for a more secular program that I could offer to people in my community, uh, the pickings were slim. And when I came across SMART, the fact that it was located in Mentor uh, kind of resonated with me in many ways because mentorship has been, uh, without question, a primary part of my recovery journey. So that clicked with me immediately, and I love everything about Smart Recovery, and I hope you will uh, also love what I'm sharing with you on Smart Recovery. And I'm also going to be talking about something called Team CBT. It comes from another mentor of mine. And Red Roof Recovery is founded on the principles of Smart Recovery and also on Team CBT. They're both innovative and evidence-based programs that I have been using to abstain from my addictions now for several years. So SMART is an acronym, and when you've been around SMART Recovery for a while, you will know that SMART loves using acronyms. All of the tools and techniques in SMART, they all have an acronym to go with them. And the acronym for SMART is Self-Management and Recovery Training. And uh, I think the The key there is the self-management program. Um, It is a self-empowerment program, and it's based on four pillars of recovery. Uh, So organizations like Alcoholics Anonymous have 12 steps of recovery. Uh, Smart Recovery has a four-pillar program, a four-point program. And number one is the hardest one to get to. Like any recovery program, the first step is the hardest one to take, and that is to build and maintain our motivation to abstain. And then number two, we learn how to handle our urges. And uh, SMART's cognitive behavioral therapy has been key for me to do that. Number three, then we learn to manage our thoughts, feelings, and behaviors. Oh yes, all of those fun life things. And then four, getting to where we all want to get to is living a healthy and balanced life. Smart Recovery is an abstinence-oriented program, 
But I say to people in our meetings that we are here to meet you where you are and help you get to where you want to go because this is a customizable program, which is what I love about it. And another thing I love is that we don't use labels. I am not my addiction. So we don't use things like addict, junkie, um, alcoholic, druggy. All of those labels are for uh, my recovery journey. It's certainly, I, I found those labels heavy. Um, I didn't want to sit at a round table and introduce myself as an alcoholic and addict. It, um, it made me feel demoralized and unmotivated. I want to use words in my recovery journey that are empowering for me, which is what I love about Smart Recovery. So the whole purpose behind Smart Recovery is to support individuals who have chosen to abstain or if you are considering abstinence from any type of addictive behaviors, whether that be substance or activity. We will teach you how to change self-defeating thinking, emotions, and actions, and to work towards long-term satisfaction and a higher quality of life. I have talked a lot about where my higher quality of life comes from in my recovery journey, and it comes from self-love. And I don't want to get tied down in the semantics of, um, of this, because once people hear self-love, uh, many people kind of roll their eyes and say, oh, no, one of those new age woo-woo things. Uh, no, this is about, actually, let's call it self-like, if, if you prefer that. Call it whatever you need to call it um, to at least take a step and open your mind a little bit to the ideas that I'm going to give to you on this uh, self-like journey. I had a conversation with my husband about this, about how different men and women are when it comes to how we are talking about things. And I said, so how come guys tend to have a more challenging time talking about self-love? And he said, well, he said, I prefer to think of it as self-like. And so that's where I got the idea to talk to you about this today, to instead of because I had come here with the idea that I was going to talk about self-love and how important it has been in my own recovery journey. But then he said, maybe tone it down and start with self-like first. You, uh, you might have more people um, stick around to hear what you have to say if you first kind of just ease into it a little bit with self-like. So let's do that. We're going to ease into it with self-like. So first, I'm going to tell you a little bit about what happened to me in my recovery. February of 2009, I was in Majorca, Spain, and the idea was that my husband and I were going to build our retirement there. But my addictions were catching up with me very quickly. And of course, going to a country where wine was cheaper than water um, and brandy was right there beside it was probably not a good thing for me, but it did at least help me spiral out of control and to face the fact that my life had become unmanageable. So I'm grateful for having been in Spain for that um, epiphany moment, that aha moment, when I had to make a decision to either die or do make a different choice to live. And even when I uh, registered into the 30-day program on mainland Spain that was based on the 12-step program of AA, I wasn't even sure that I wanted it. You know, my motivation then was that 
uh, things were getting pretty bad. I was uh, having a lot of blackouts, um, a lot of embarrassing moments, conversations I couldn't remember. It was just getting out of control, unmanageable. But when I got there and opened the first book of my curriculum that I was going to be studying for the next 30 days, I thought, hmm, I, I really, you know, the reason I was drinking, drugging and drinking for most of my adult life was because I was trying to kill myself. I didn't have, um, I guess, the courage to actually just kill myself, but I was killing myself every day, slowly. And I think part of that was because I didn't like myself. Uh, the self-loathing ran very, very deep with me. And a lot of people who are challenged by substance use disorders and other mental health disorders, they say this, the same thing. There's a, a deep-rooted self-loathing. It's almost wired within our DNA. So that self-love component, um, I wasn't even sure I could ever get there. I'm, I didn't like myself, let alone even trying to love myself. And when I was told that it was important that I take steps toward self-love, I, I too rolled my eyes and thought, oh, God, really? Seriously? Is that what this is going to take? Self-love? And I'm doomed. But something happened. And everybody I talked to in recovery circles, they have similar stories. Something clicked with me. And it was the homework that I was required to do in this 30-day rehab program. And part of that homework was to read a book by Louise Hay. And I had heard of Louise Hay, didn't really know much about her, but she and um, her colleague Marianne Williamson back in the 70s, uh, they kind of started a self-help movement in the United States, helping um, homosexuals who were uh, just overridden with AIDS and had to face incredible bias and prejudice. So she, Louise Hay, and Marianne Williamson started uh, Hay House, and they would go around different areas of the United States, and they would do seminars and workshops specifically to help homosexuals who were dying of AIDS to, I guess, make that journey to self-love and to accept who they were as they were, you know, going to be shuffling off the mortal coil because AIDS in, back in the 70s was a death sentence. Excuse me. Yes, a little anxiety. Just have to take a little sip of my water. Whew, okay. So there was something special about Louise Hay for me at the time. And the book that I was required to read as part of my homework was called You Can Heal Your Life. And something resonated with Louise because I, I was dealing with abandonment from my mother at a young age. And Louise Hay to me, was like that mother figure that I had never had. She was like a soft, warm hug when I needed it most, sitting alone in that room, um, not knowing even if I did truly want, it, want to live. And Louise talked about how important it was for self-love. She said the most challenging thing we do in our lifetime is learn how to love ourselves because we are inundated with messages telling us that we're never good enough. And they start virtually from our birth, right? It starts with we're, we're absorbing all of the messages of our environment from our parents and our siblings and our peers and then our teachers. 
and on and on. And we're getting all these messages that we are just never enough. And it gets heavy. The older we get, the heavier it gets. And Louise said, I want you to start practicing something. I want you to look in the mirror when you're starting your day and look deep into your eyes and put your hand on your heart and say, I love you and you're worth it. Hard not to well up with tears even when I'm telling you this story because it was a difficult thing for me to do. When I did that, I was just sobbing and crying and I couldn't look in my eyes because I didn't even like myself, let alone love myself. So I was feeling a bit defeated and discouraged and demoralized, but I kept reading because that was part of my recovery homework. And every chapter I read, the more I resonated with Louise Hay because she's just, she was such a beautiful person. And she's, you know, I just believed that she said, just do it. Just, you're worth it. And she kept on saying, you are worth it. Every word, every chapter, you are worth it. And I started to believe it. I started to believe I was worth making the effort to actually stand in front of a mirror, put my hand on my heart, look into my eyes and say, I love you and you're worth it. And when I say that to people, uh, it either resonates with you or it doesn't. And if it doesn't, then I encourage you to find something that does resonate with you. But the self-love piece for me was uh, a pretty huge one. And I just want to share some of the statements that uh, are promoting our self-acceptance to increase confidence and to increase our desire to help ourselves, right? Because I think the most crucial predictor of my recovery has been a persistent willingness to exert some effort to help myself. And it took a long time for me to get there because I didn't think I was worth it. I didn't think I was worth the effort. I didn't like myself. I didn't love myself. But as my mentor, Louise Hay, kept saying, you are worth it. And what we practice grows stronger. So when I took the time to actually practice it and make myself face the mirror and put my hand on my heart and look into my eyes and say, I love you and you're worth it. It took weeks, maybe even months for me to stop crying, but I persevered and what I practiced did grow stronger. And now it's part of my morning ritual and I do love myself and I do believe that I am worth it. I'm worth the effort. So as my husband says, that might be uh, a little strong for a lot of people to accept. So let's just start with the self-acceptance part, the liking. Let's learn to first like ourselves. So we'll go from there. So carefully consider all the statements of self-acceptance, something that can help us accept ourselves over time. And it can be a statement that works for you. So uh, another one of my mentors, Michael Lozier, he's, he's a bit of a stocky guy. He's from uh, the East Coast of um, Canada, where I'm from, but now settled in British Columbia. And he is a law of attraction expert. But he's, he's, a, he's a big stocky guy. And he said, so for me to look in the mirror and say, I'm, I love my slim, slender body, <laughs> it's not going to be believable for me because I'm not looking at a slim and slender body. So it has to be something that resonates with you, something believable for you. And even if, it, if you have to put a picture, some of my friends have put pictures of themselves as a child on the mirror. So now they're talking to the child instead of themselves. That can be very effective as well. So choosing a statement that works for you is really important. 
practice memorizing this statement on a daily basis. Do it for a week to start. Write it on a piece of paper. You can post it. Eye level, somewhere eye level where you're going to see it, whether it's going to be on your bathroom mirror, on the door, in the, on the car steering wheel, wherever you're going to see it every day for a week. You're going to write it, post it on, at eye level where you're going to see it as a daily reminder. And you're going to use this statement when you notice that you start to feel anxious, stressed, or you're entering a situation, and that's going to help you feel more confident. And then the next week, you're going to choose another statement, and you're going to continue learning this process week by week, one day at a time, right? The AA mantra that I love, one day at a time. And these statements are helpful for learning to think clearly, helping to calm us down, gain more control. So number one, I can accept that I am a fallible human being. I am less than perfect. I can accept that others and the world are fallible, less than perfect. Because I demand a person or thing be a certain way does not mean that they or it must be that way. I'm capable of making mistakes, and I can learn from these experiences, which can help me in the future. Mistakes have a purpose. Don't all lessons come from mistakes? I can regret mistakes I've made and choose not to condemn myself through blame, guilt, or shame. I can accept that others make mistakes and regret them. I can choose not to condemn others through blame, guilt, and shame. And because I make a mistake or do something wrong does not mean I am a failure or a stupid person. It can mean that I have acted or behaved in a way that I regret or I'm not happy with, and I can regret this without condemning myself as 100% failure or being 100% stupid. I, as a human being, like others, have a mix of qualities, skills, and experiences. This can be good or bad. One bad thing or a few bad things even are not the total sum of who I am. This behavior does not define me as a total person. I do have to listen to the negative automatic thoughts, those ants, those automatic negative thoughts, and believe the critic. I don't have to believe that critical voice in my head, the one that never shuts up. I call it the committee in my head. I can be open and develop a new supportive thought process that can be a new way of thinking. I can believe the voice that says, yes, I can do it. If someone has better skills than I do, this doesn't make them a better person. If I have better skills than others, this does not make me a better person than others. I can look for the evidence to challenge my unhelpful thoughts and learn to develop new helpful ways of thinking. What we think about, we bring about, right? So the thinking patterns are key when we learn to recognize negative thought patterns and then interrupt them to say, we're going to change that. We're going to reframe that. Confidence is not a commodity we can acquire. It is not something we're born with or without. Confidence builds when accepting ourselves and others, even when people do bad things or bad things happen. I can tolerate life when bad things happen. Facing the fears and challenges in our life provides us with learning opportunities. We can make changes for the future and to do things differently as we learn. If I can endure and survive things even when I don't like them or feel uncomfortable, these experiences can help me identify what I want to change in my future. Putting myself or others down, I'm crap, they're crap, life's crap. It's an unhelpful habit, but it can be changed. We can change habitual patterns of thinking with practice. What we practice grows stronger. 
the more I tell myself I should, they should, it should, we're shooting ourselves, right? We've got to stop shooting ourselves. <laughs> the more it disturbs ourselves. So I can choose not to disturb myself by challenging my thinking, thinking more preferentially. I can use statements like, I want, I wish, I desire, or I would prefer he didn't say that, or I prefer that did not happen. So just some things to consider as we go through our thinking process to start thinking differently about ourselves and others. It takes practice. We only have to achieve good enough as perfection does not exist. You know, there's a saying in AA that progress is perfection. As long as we're making progress, that's perfect. Developing our self-acceptance means that we're ready to face challenges. We can learn and grow from experiences. I can ask myself, does my thinking help me or hinder me in accepting myself? SMART is all about directing rational analysis inward, right? Not getting caught up in the circumstances that we find ourselves because there's never any end to the circumstances that are uncomfortable, that don't serve us. So the circumstances we can get around by asking ourselves, is my thinking about, it's not what happens to us, right? It's how we are reacting to what happens. What, what's that doing to our thought pattern when something bad happens to us? Directing rational analysis inward is key. So unconditional self-acceptance. If you go to the Smart Recovery YouTube channel, I love that channel, especially the if you go into the playlist, Tips and Tools for Recovery That Works, because I've got a lot of different playlists. So Tips and Tools for Recovery That Works. And we've got a few, um, a lot of the acronyms that you will learn as you see them. What I love about the videos is that they're short. They're only about four or five minutes long and they, they contain a lot of information. So you can learn a lot about Smart Recovery just on the YouTube channel. So go to that playlist, Tips and Tools for Recovery That Works, and go through a lot of the, the tools that Smart Recovery uses. One of my favorites is unconditional self-acceptance. I accept myself because I am alive and have the capacity to enjoy my existence. I'm not defined by my behavior. I can evaluate my behavior. It's impossible to accurately and honestly evaluate the complexity of my total self. I have many personality traits and characteristics that define who I am. Not necessarily character defects, right? That's again, a heavy, hurtful word for me. We have a lot of traits and characteristics that define us. And I can accept my misgivings and not be defined by my overall behavior. And then the other one, so that's the unconditional self-acceptance. It's called the USA in Smart Recovery Circles. And then another one is the UOA, unconditional other acceptance. You may judge other people inaccurately and in an exaggerated way, just as we tend to judge ourselves, right? Once we accept that other people are capable of making mistakes, then we can accept that they may fail at doing things too, right? We are fellow fallible humans, we are. Judging another is totally bad, no, no matter how badly they treat you. It can be as exaggerated and as damaging as making the same judgment about yourself. And the other great tool from Smart Recovery is the ULA, Unconditional Life Acceptance. I have kind of half-jokingly said to recovery circle people, I used to use drugs and alcohol as my anesthetic through which I endured the operation of life. And now that I don't have drugs and alcohol to do that, I have to find another way to endure the operation of life. 
So that sounds a bit heavy in itself when I say it, but I ha- it's, it's kind of like, I, I mean it lightheartedly because life, life can be hard sometimes. Whoever said life was going to be easy? That's why the ULA, the Unconditional Life Acceptance, is a great one. I think it's only like four or five minutes long, contains a lot of great information. So we can respond or not respond to life in the same unconditional way as self and others. We can judge or not judge life in the same unconditional way as self and others. And of course, the prayer that AA developed, it was actually, it came from Reinhold Niebuhr, grant me the serenity to accept the things I cannot change, the courage to change the things I can, and the wisdom to know the difference. And I actually gave that a little twist when I started Smart Recovery Facilitating. And mine says, grant me the serenity to accept the people I cannot change, the courage to change the one I can, and the wisdom to know that it's me, because that's all that's within my control. So a few facts to think about. Failing at a task doesn't make me a failure in life. Human beings are fallible, less than perfect, and for good reason. I often refer to Thomas Edison, the uh, I mean, he was a, a brilliant guy, but stole a lot of ideas, too. Apparently not, not a nice guy. Uh, if, uh, if history is to be our guide, how accurate it is, I'm not sure. But he is uh, quoted as saying that uh, I did not fail at making a light bulb 10,000 times. I learned 10,000 different ways how not to make a light bulb. So I like I like reframing our thoughts so that it's uh, it's not discouraging, it's encouraging. We can choose to learn from our mistakes in life and move forward. I can choose to accept myself. And even if I am unwilling or unable to change my character flaws and misgivings, there is no law of the universe that says I cannot. It's my decision how I'm going to think about it. I strive for achievement only to enhance the enjoyment of my existence, not to prove my worth. How often have I um, equated my worth in life as to the acceptance I was getting from others, right? My self-approval cannot come from pandering to an external source or bowing to an, any external authority. My self-approval cannot be evaluated against others' standards. My self-approval and self-acceptance can only come from within me, and I am free to choose it at any time. I am alive and I choose to stay alive and try to enjoy my existence. I will rate my aliveness, my existence as good because that is my choice. I value my existence, my being, simply because I'm alive. I can sense, feel, think, and act. I select my humanity as my real worth. And that comes from the director of the Albert Ellis Institute of Chicago, Terry London. Albert Ellis was one of the pioneers of cognitive behavioral therapy. And another one of my mentors, Dr. David Burns, was a student of Albert Ellis, and he created the team CBT that I haven't had time to tell you about, but that'll come up in another episode. So just a bit of a summary and takeaway from this episode of the Red Roof Recovery Show is that we all have inherent worth and dignity. And unconditional self-acceptance, the USA, it's not something that is. It's something that we do, and it's something that we work on. No one gives us self-worth. We give it to ourselves. The past is in the past. We have now, in the present moment, to decide 
how to move forward. We have the future to anticipate with kindness, self-compassion, and openness for change. Oh, I love that. Just a couple of minutes left on this episode of the Red Roof Recovery Show. And when I look at that summary and takeaway, I am reminded that we cannot go back and create a brand new past. But what we can do is we can start from now and create a brand new ending. How does that sound? I'm your host, Tanya McIntyre. Thank you so much for spending 30 minutes of your life with me, learning more about smart recovery, self-management and recovery training. You can learn more at smartrecoverytoronto.com where you'll find a, an abundance of resources. And there are also links on that page to connect to some of the Zoom meetings that are primarily around the GTA, the Greater Toronto Area. I do a meeting every Friday night, so please join me there. And then to access meetings from all over the world, you can go to smartrecovery.org. I think you do have to create an account there, but worth it because while you're there, you can also access an abundance of resources, including a lot of the tools and techniques that we use uh, on a regular basis at Smart Recovery. Remember to live fully, laugh often, love always, stay positive. May the force be with you. And remember, you are the force. Thank you. <laughs>